This is Broadcast, Talking TV, recorded at Maple Street Studios. Hello and welcome to a special edition of Talking TV. I'm Jake Cantor. We're dubbing this The Last Leg Takeover, as I'm pleased to say I'll be joined by the stars of Channel 4's Topical Entertainment show. The boys will fill us in on the latest series, as well as their solo travails. They will also talk television and disability, as we ask them a host of Is It OK? questions. And that's all to come. Well, before we bring in Adam Hills, Josh Widdicombe and Alex Brooker, here's a clip of the guys in action on The Last Leg. Listen up, Paddy Power, if that's your real name. <laughs> You're making a joke about a man with no legs which glamorises a murder trial so you can make money out of the killing of an innocent woman. The first doctor on the scene saw brain tissue coming from her skull and you want people to place bets on whether or not her boyfriend meant for that to happen? There's a word for you and I'll lay money that word starts with a C. <laughs> the most is that Paddy Power have actually benefited from this because as Josh pointed out now when you hear the name Paddy Power you immediately associate it with online betting so I'd like to put a different image in your heads tonight to accompany the name Paddy Power Paddy Power when you get to hell and you will go to hell there will be a special place reserved for you when you arrive into the fiery abyss you'll be led past Fred West Pol Pot and Jimmy Savile to your own special <laughs> VIP table where the spirit of Abu Hamza will take off his hook and stump <laughs> you until you cry <laughs> That's Adam Hills there giving uh, Paddy Power a right old grilling. Uh, so welcome everyone. I should say that uh, Broadcast Features Editor Robin Parker, the man responsible for bringing this rabble together, is also with us. How, how are you all guys? Are you, are you, are you doing well? We yeah. are the day, before, the day before filming a show, so we've, we've got a full day of really getting it nailed. So we're privileged to have you in. Oh, no. very. Well. No, <laughs> no, absolutely no. not. We've never done before eleven, anyway. Really, so um, <laughs> very nice prep to Andre around the corner. <laughs> it was a nice prep. It really, really was not. It was a very nice prep. But anyway, that's not what we're here so to talk about. You're, you're, you're the day before a show. What, how, how do you prepare usually? What, what you're doing around this time? We we spent all day yesterday in the office together, sitting around a table, looking at the news, and basically throwing jokes off each other and discussing what's going to be in the show. Generally what happens today is we get notes from the network overnight as to whether or not they think that's what the show should be about. It's called The Channel. It's but... called The Channel, is it? Oh. Okay. We're not in Australia <laughs> now. <laughs> channel 4 Network. I normally, I wouldn't, <laughs> normally I wouldn't pick you up on that, but on the broadcast podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and then the weird thing what we, that we do today is we each go off, we each have a writer, we each go off to a different cafe for most of the day where we sit with our writer, have something to eat, throw some ideas around, have coffees, and kind of put our bits into the script, and then we get back together at about four o'clock this afternoon. We won't tell each other too much of what we're going to say so that it's fresh on the night, but we will kind of vaguely go through the show. So, so you try and avoid each other until it's absolutely necessary that you need to be together. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, well, <laughs> we'll be together, and then we'll avoid each other, and then we'll come back together um, for the show. Like every good relationship. Yeah. <laughs> we'll be together for a while. Need space. Feel suffocated yeah. otherwise. So, I mean, you're, ne- you're nearing the end of the fourth series now. Some of your final episodes are sort of neatly coincide with the Winter Paralympics. When you started in 2012... Did you ever imagine that you'd, you'd get to this point? Not no. Sure. <laughs> no, 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 no. Let's move no. on. <laughs> no, I don't think we did at all. I took the job uh, because I thought I'd get free tickets to the Winter Olympics and no one would watch it. Uh, not the Winter Olympics, sorry, the Paralympics, and no one would watch it originally. I didn't think it would come to anything. I was told it was going to be on E4 at... 11 o'clock or something. Was, was that like, the original plan for the show? It was something like that, it wasn't was, it? Yeah, originally it was more four at midnight. And I it knew was Adam be... and I thought it would be fun, but... 
nothing. It'll be ten days that then you'll go, oh, I, do you remember when I did that weird thing <laughs> about the Paralympics? <laughs> I, just, I just took a ten-day contract to be a live football reporter. That was what Channel 4 brought me there to do. And then I ended up doing the medals table on the first night. The humorous medals table segment of the show. <laughs> and then I thought that would be it for me on the last oh. leg because yeah, it wasn't the greatest bit ever. Do you so know how, how did that progress? How did you? I just came yeah. in the next I remember I did a feature for one of the afternoon shows for the Paralympics about sitting volleyball. And I played sitting volleyball with a load of Arsenal players, which was oh, brilliant. Yeah. And then I came in after that, that and they went, right, do you fancy staying on the sofa for the whole of the last legs and I was like oh, yeah alright because we can't afford to pay for your hotel <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, actually I think what happened was we did our first show and then the channel the channel yeah, the channel, yeah, the the channel got very Free excited there. <laughs> <laughs> the channel got very excited by the first show that we did and then suddenly we had a commissioning editor coming in and talking to us we had calls from you know the the heads of of the channel saying okay this, we think this can be a real goer so i think what happened was the first show went to air they thought it was just going to be a dinky late night sports wrap up show they saw the potential and then they jumped on board and went right hang on let's turn this into it's, something it's that- like if bbc decided to really back football focus as like their big saturday <laughs> night show <laughs> do you still think this this, I, this I, team kind of yeah, works. but yeah. I only met Alex the day before we started, yeah. and I'd gigged with Adam a couple of times. So, I mean, it was more luck than judgment. I think we can all agree on that. Oh, but on our parts, we. I mean, we definitely saw the chemistry once we'd been on air together, yeah. and once we'd spent some time together. But I'm still uh, unconvinced by it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we had the leg thing, didn't we? In common, the leg thing. Alex and I just bonded over leg chat. It was. I've never had like a mate with a prosthetic leg before. So when we first met, when we did like the little pilot, the internal pilot, you said, "Show me your leg." I was like, "I'm in. I'll show you my leg. Can you show me yours?" So that broke the ice. Yeah, it was. It was. It was great. I've never had these chats before. And he was telling me about. He was giving me advice on blisters. <laughs> oh, it was wonderful. It was just a wonderful. And, and Channel Four sort of taken their time with you and, and run. You all you all yeah. seem to do lots of other projects. Are you all locked into deals with Channel Four now? They've never asked, so <laughs> they don't want it's you. It's awkward. But you did. You did Twitter the year, didn't you? I did. I yeah. do. I do. Cat. I think people think I've got a contract, but I do. Like, I thought loads you did of after BBC's. Josh Widdicombe night. There was one night on Channel Four. Last November, where I was on four consecutive programs, it was horrendous. Yeah, it was. It was <laughs> but like um, Alex, you, you did uh, you did a serious body image documentary, didn't you? Yeah, I did. Yeah. I mean, would I'm you like to do more sing. of that kind of thing? Is that? I, yeah. I enjoyed doing the documentary. It was good fun because now I do like kind of entertainment. It's kind of got lost that I did go into television as a journalist. Like genuine, like serious journalists to do serious questions. That's why you did the jump? <laughs> <laughs> did you enjoy the jump? Was it good in Austria? Yeah, it was a good holiday. I mean, sorry, not holiday. It was, a, it was a good trip. It was, it was. Jay Hunt said this week that she'd she'd like to go again. Is have you are you are you starting conversations? I've had a couple of meetings. <laughs> yes. Yeah, uh, and Adam, you're you're yeah. presenting four celebrity editions of Fifteen to One. Yes. Are, are they in the can? Uh, no, we're filming them next week. Actually. Oh yeah. So um, I'm kind of. It's. I, I actually said to someone the other day, if if my TV career in Britain consisted of the last leg and Celebrity 15 to 1, I'd be more than happy. That's not what you set out to do. <laughs> <laughs> Ever since I was a young boy. Um, no, it's just, it's it's the best of both worlds. I love doing The Last League because we get to talk about stuff that we have opinions on and we actually feel passionate about. And as opposed to a lot of other, you know, topical panel shows where you're just there to make the jokes, 
we, we get a bit down on each other if, if that's what we do. If all we do is, is make jokes about a topic yeah. and we don't give an opinion. It's lovely to actually, you know, have a vested interest in what you're saying on a TV show that's topical and has something to say. But then at the other end of the spectrum, it's lovely to host a quiz show with someone like Aid Edmondson and yeah. um, Heston Blumenthal and, and Jermaine Greer. <coughs> yeah. So, I mean, you've touched on, on the chemistry, the, the good relationship. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm also filming that next week. <laughs> <laughs> While we're promoting our own TV shows to Movers and Shakers, mm. yeah. I've got a sitcom pilot. You're doing BBC Three Pilot? Yeah. yeah. Uh, just, I was so pleased with it and it's the best thing I've done. That's so I, Jack I, D, is that right? It's with Jack D and... Um, BT Edmondson and Ellis James, and it's it's really good. We hope so. Have um, you recorded? We've we filmed it. Yeah, it's all right. It's all. I think what is what's known in the trade is in the can. It's in the can. It's yeah, in the, it's, it's in the can. It's, it's done. Just, but that's going out in June, and fingers crossed. Because I, I mean, obviously the BBC Three thing was a kick in the teeth. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't see that coming. But if BBC want to put it on another channel, please. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll move on to that in a second. But oh, sorry. I mean, we, we've t- <laughs> we've talked about the good relationship between you three. Um, I, I think it seems like a good place to start with the the is it okay questions. Mm-hmm. And the first one comes from Twitter from uh, a guy called Alfie Winterbottom, so, who asks, he "Sounds is, like a nineteen twenties footballer." He's got a very serious question. He asks, uh, "Is it okay that I occasionally think there's sexual tension between Alex and Josh?" Wow. Um, I think that's good because you are sitting next to each other and sharing a mic. We are, we are. And um, holding hands. <laughs> I think it is okay because I think you need to. Um, if that's what's keeping people tuning in, it's if we're the Ross and Rachel of the last <laughs> leg, we, we can never. Will they? Won't we, they? Yeah. <laughs> what we don't want is a Daphne and Niles thing. Because once we get together, it's going to ruin the kind yeah. of da- dynamic. That's it, the show's but, over. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what's moments? That shows uh, Robert, the Robert, age uh, difference between us. Because I was thinking you don't want a David and Maddie from Moonlighting moments. Ah yes, Robert, yep. you've got some other. Uh, is it okay? From the broadcast office. Yes. Okay. Well, the next one. Uh, is it okay that Channel Four is one of the few places on TV that has a sense of humour about disability? When I first went into television, you know, I said, oh, we'd do the Paralympics and we'd be talking about disability. I felt quite comfortable that it was Channel 4. And they always kind of gave us, you know, almost like a freedom to, to talk about it. And because, like, I came through, like, I'm a competition winner. Like, Channel 4 wanted disabled people to put on television. I associate Channel 4 with kind of pushing boundaries and stuff like that. So I was really comfortable with it. Yeah, I think yeah. it's not OK that it's only Channel 4. I mean, Richard Whitehead appeared on the uh, on Splash, um, yeah. sorry, which is like you know the jump, but the, the, the ice has melted. Um, <laughs> I always get those two mixed up. I actually, said to, I was talking to Richard Whitehead last week, and I went, "Oh no, your first jump was amazing," and then you did that jump, and I could see him going, "It's a dive, idiot." Not a jump. Um, <laughs> he came second, is that right? He did come yeah. second, but yeah. I think there was a lot of tension at, uh, at ITV about the idea of how do we do this with a guy with no legs? How do we cover him on TV? So. For all the ground we thought we might have broken at Channel 4, it's only slowly seeping into other channels. But it's, it's even when you do another show, you forget that you can get away with jokes that you'd make on the last leg. So I remember when I did Chatty Man, uh, there was some question about the last leg, and I made an, I can't remember, a kind of off-the-cuff comment that you would on the last leg about these guys having one leg each. And obviously in that room, people were like, who didn't know the last leg? What? What the fuck's this guy doing? Because, <laughs> <laughs> like, it's just we've created a bit of a bubble, really, where you can make these jokes. But when you started the last leg, how did you broach that subject and, and establish a place where you knew 
Joss, that you were you were comfortable I didn't, with the, I didn't, the boundaries. Yeah, I didn't set out. I didn't realise. I mean, if I'd known it was going to be that, I might not have signed up. <laughs> I um, think that uh, like I don't like to praise Josh too much, but I don't think he gets enough credit for what he did in the Paralympics because for me and Adam, both having disabilities, it was kind of you. We could make the jokes because we had the disabilities, but for Josh to go in and do it was a lot harder. And you, it was a slow. Like, oh yeah. no, it was a slow. Did it take you time to sort of find your feet? I guess. Ignore that I said that. I'm sorry. Do you know what? I'm going to write that down. I can't believe we haven't done that one yet. (laughs) (laughs) You can see that on Friday night. See, I'm not comfortable. I just said that. (laughs) Oh no, you should totally be comfortable with saying that. Yeah, it did. It takes a while, and you can see people will come on and they'll be a bit tentative about it. Obviously, because I think I would be if I wasn't part of the show. But now I'm almost an honorary disabled person. In a way, yeah, you haven't got a blue badge, but no, it's, it's just certainly turquoise. <laughs> <laughs> One thing that sprung to mind when we were asking that question is BBC boss Danny Cohen got up at a panel a couple of weeks ago and said, "We only ever see nice disabled people on the BBC. We want to see some, you know, some real bastards, some some mean, some mean disabled people, oh, and some uh, and some p- disabled people with a sense of humour. Do you, do you think that's a fair?" <laughs> I mean, just uh, Danny, my contract runs out. October, so I, mean, I know you're getting rid of a channel, but I mean, I'm open-minded. <laughs> I don't understand what that means. Why do you want mean? Why well, do you want mean no, people I, on television? I think, general? I'm, I'm I probably exaggerating meant, a little bit, but I, I imagine. I don't know if I'm paraphrasing. I imagine he meant rather than seeing, oh, this person's characteristic is they're a disabled person. Right. Okay. Whenever you know, I talk about doing new shows. I don't like. I don't want to do anything that's kind of you know like worthy disability stuff like this is so-and-so and he struggles and it's kind of that's not for me that side of disability really I want to show like promote it and like I got criticism for the jump and so, like at the time I was quite gutted about it but when I look back on it in no article did anybody mention my disability and at the start when I was in the Paralympics it was all oh, disabled presenter Alex Brooker and stuff like that but not one article when I got criticised mentioned my disability so I was being judged alone as a presenter and you could probably argue since I've come back from the jump I probably thought that's probably my biggest achievement in my career yeah Mm. because if you think about it no one said oh this Mm. is you know Alex Brooker so-and-so with one leg and stuff like that it was just like this is a presenter we're gonna hammer him (laughs) (laughs) but it was and I quite look at it I think oh that's Mm. good well it's not good but (laughs) (laughs) always look for the silver line do you think the moment that Channel 4 took the last leg you know as a regular entertainment show beyond the Paralympics that you can start to sort of relax about how you as presenters are perceived, how the show is perceived. Because, you know, when it's on during the Paralympics, that's a definite link between disability and this show. Yeah, uh, yeah I mean, it was a weird one because what we loved talking about during the Paralympics was disability and especially Alex and I having leg chats and, you know, talking about disabled athletes. That's what we kind of felt most comfortable talking about. And then when it became a wrap-up of the of the week's news, people would still send us, is it okays? And they'd find a bizarre bit of news where someone's, you know, drunk out of their prosthetic at the cricket or something, which was what we gravitated towards. But then, of course, you know, the channel wanted it to be more of an you entertainment show. So You couldn't have a show based purely on news in the disabled. Like, you couldn't have a Friday night show based on disabled news. It'd be a real struggle. But I do think, yeah, I think... I was thinking about this the other day. What an astonishingly brave decision it was to put us live on Friday night. I think that's amazing. Like, 
it was a success in the Paralympics, but lots of things have been a success. No, oh, can I swear? To go, we yeah, can swear. Yeah, I yeah, think. So we'll go, allow it a little bit. Yeah, to go sod this, then uh, let's just give them a chance on Friday night at ten o'clock live. Is yeah, um, an yeah. amazing. Okay, kind of so we'll allow battle. swearing. What I won't allow is us to to shift away from the, our format too much. Oh, sorry. So we're going to return. <laughs> we're going to return to the is it okay <laughs> questions. <laughs> so, is it okay for the BBC to ban all male panel shows? I think bands are a very harsh word. But, yeah, that's um, what they've done. I know, it's what they've said. <laughs> I think they're, yeah, they're going to go underground. <laughs> it's going to be like Fight Club. Prohibition. This isn't a panel show. This panel, is, yeah, yeah, this the first the rule show. of Mock the Week is you don't talk about Mock <laughs> yeah, the Week. <laughs> um, look, I, think, I actually think it's a good thing in that there aren't as many. It is really hard to book uh, women for comedy shows because there aren't as many women in comedy. There are more now, which is interesting, doing comedy but it kind of takes years for you you know to find your voice and get to the point where you can go on television and be comfortable so it is kind of it's easier to book a man for a comedy show because there are just so many more around and they're more they're available that's the reason that i think that there should be a rule where there has to be at least one woman on every show because otherwise because it's easier to book a guy because there are more of them you just do it and then no women get a look in so you've got to create some rule where you can counteract Josh, what's your experience? I, I these, think that um, I was watching a documentary on music in the seventies. Bear with me, but this is a, is I it think, BBC Four? <laughs> it was BBC Four. Yeah, yeah, it was Danny Baker discussing it, and uh, the Viv Alba team from the Slits was talking about how during the seventies all the bands were full of male people being macho, and there was nothing to inspire girls to get into bands. Mm. And you can say maybe there's not enough women to do these panel shows, but the only way you're going to inspire women to become comedians is over 10 years, put them on TV to give women the vision that I can do this. And that it's a slow process, but you have to have women comedians on TV to show young girls that they can be stand-ups. Otherwise, the problem then the problem will even itself out over a decade or so. Yeah, I think you make a good point. By which show panel shows won't exist. <laughs> <laughs> when I was younger, I didn't see that many disabled people on telly. So I thought there must be a reason for this. So I never thought about doing telly, which probably shows. <laughs> <laughs> so do you think the... the I mean, I've basically, what I think is there should be at least one disabled person. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, you're, you're in favour of extending this quota. Yeah, <laughs> I think, I think, from my experience, I prefer the atmosphere when there's women. God, who would show. do all men in one room? Like, you know, well, yeah. exactly. I mean, as you can tell, this is pretty alpha in here. Yeah. <laughs> Robert, have you got any others that you want to fire their way? Well, simply, is it okay to axe BBC Three? Well, I, I should declare that I've got a vested interest in this. Is, is, is your comedy one of the online pilots? Yeah. The thing is, if they continue to make comedy, then it shouldn't affect it too much. But, obviously, BBC Three is a great outlet for new comedians. Lots and lots of my peers, Nick Helm or Pappies or Joe Wilkinson and him and her, all these people are people I started out with. And they've been given their chance on TV through BBC Three Comedy. And yes, you can put it on BBC Two, but it's a lot more of a gamble to put something on BBC Two. So there's going to be a lot less of a vested interest. So it sounds but like it, well, Do you know concerned. what's interesting is that the, co- the discussion always comes back to comedy, doesn't it? And yeah. there are shows on BBC Three that aren't comedy. Because it's, it's the Six Music thing. The reason Six Music was saved is everyone 
who is influential in the media is into six music kind of thing. So yeah. whereas BBC Three, it's going to be more difficult, I think, to save because a lot of the people in the media don't watch Don't Tell the Bride. But the fact is, Don't Tell the Bride is an excellent Serves uh, its audience series. well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. serves its audience well. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good... I'm really bad at this because I don't know how finances work, really. So it's like, <laughs> that's yeah. like, it's very easy to go, should this benefit be scrapped? And you go, well, I'm not the one that has to bloody make the yeah. tough decisions. If you, for me, no, unless they turn down my sitcom, in which get the fuck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> Adam, what's your view on BBC Three? I, well, I would extend that not just to BBC Three, but BBC Radio, BBC Four. The idea that you can have a have a new, and again, we, I know it comes back to comedy. You can have a comedy idea, and you can blood it in on radio first live in front of an audience, like um, League of Gentlemen yeah. or uh, Little Britain. Yeah. I mean, the idea... You can't do that in Australia. There is nowhere to go. So to here, to have to have that outlet and also to have BBC Three as an outlet where you can try stuff, it feels I, as if the BBC are going, I, right... I, I there's think, some good shows on BBC Three as well. I don't, I don't understand why you get... Look, it's, not, it's not like it's full of rubbish. I like BBC Three. I can't understand why they're getting rid of it. I mean, the BBC, it. as Robin said, would stress that it, it you know... They're, they're going to move yeah, online. Yeah. I mean, the budget yeah. is being cut by about half. There's less of it, and I suppose a lot of the argument would be that things like comedy, people will look for and share online. But I suppose things yeah. like documentaries. I speak as someone who, who isn't very internet savvy, so I don't. I, I very rarely watch iPlayer. I watch um, what I kind of. I have a romantic ideal of the BBC. They can make shows that you maybe couldn't make elsewhere because they're being paid by the yeah. license fee. But it's a show. It, it, I don't think. I think there's there's stuff on BBC Three that is too much of a gamble for a commercial channel to mm. maybe make. And oh, so it's, it's a good platform. Like a show. It's, a, it's yeah. a great platform. But I think the problem actually is stuff like the uh, the Daily Mail and other tabloids attacking BBC, making it less confident in itself, making it worry about losing the license fee. I think the BBC should be confident in what it does and should be backed as. Something that we should be really proud of as a country. Sounds like a good message for the BBC Trust. Um, so BBC <laughs> Three is moving. Also say if anyone yeah. from the BBC is listening, our contracts are up at the end of November. <laughs> yeah, you're you're available for work. <laughs> <laughs> Robin, let's do it. Let's do a couple of quick more. Is it okay? Okay, let's do another one. This is from another one from Twitter at Michelle two thousand and six. Is it okay that Gogglebox is more entertaining than normal telly? <laughs> oh. um, I think I think maybe I'm of a different view. To- you don't like Gogglebox. I love Gogglebox. Yeah. I'm a terrified of the day we do, we are on Gogglebox and they <laughs> make snide comments about us. But B, <laughs> I love Gogglebox. I didn't think I was going to like it. I don't think anyone thinks they're going to like it. But it, there's something about it, isn't it? It's great characters. I think I was told I might be wrong that they had these people that they'd met for something else or something. They'd they'd earmarked all these people that would be oh, good right. in a show. Yeah. And then, is that right? I don't know. Uh, some of them have appeared in... Possibly. In three three in a bed or four in a bed? One of them, oh, the, yeah, yeah, the posh yeah. couple did three in a bed. Yeah. yeah. What, is, what is weird about Gogglebox is it's... Um, you're rewarded by repeat viewing, like you are with a sitcom, in that you get to know the characters and they develop. Right. And you don't really care about the TV show. They're People say it's a show about them talking about TV. It's not really. It's about the characters. It's like the royal family. It's it's just a reality version of the royal family. The t- Caroline Hearn sitcom, not the... Yeah. 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 Have, you, have you guys seen <laughs> it? They were on Google Books. That would be question. Do you know what? I, I, I started to watch it the other night with my wife. I said, okay, here's this, this show. She's been in Australia for a while, so it's called Gogglebox. Let's watch it. And within about six or seven minutes... 
we were talking about something to do with our day that was unrelated to the show. And I just went, okay, we have to turn it off now. We are now half watching a TV show while discussing our day and the TV show is about people who are half watching TV shows <laughs> discussing their own days. I, I can't go any it's further. It's too much. <laughs> Did it, but I, I really think, though, having I, I mean, I've talked to Jay Hunt about this. I, it was one of the... It was, Name it, drop. <laughs> <laughs> she was saying that the channel didn't expect it to be what it was. They didn't know that it was mm. going to be as big as it was. I think Gogglebox, and in a way, The Last League, just proves no one knows what's going to work on TV. Yeah. If people yeah. knew what yeah. was going to work on TV, everything would work on TV. Yeah, yeah. No one really has any idea. If you pitch The Last League people go that is the shittest idea for a TV show I've ever heard so what, we're going to make jokes about we're going to make well, jokes but... about legs and pants <laughs> alright let, let's do let's do one final one and, and this uh, this is related to, to your guys work uh, is it okay that Twitter has done nearly every topical gag before it reaches television it's interesting that isn't it I, if I do say mock the week I'll avoid Twitter that week because, because you don't want to rehash I gags or what would happen is you'd see the gag and then you go, well, I can't do that. So it's better not to have seen what's on Twitter so you can just mm. do what you do and then not worry that David Schneider's done it or yeah. whoever. My yeah. gags are so bad that nobody would put them on Twitter <laughs> anyway, so I feel comfortable with it. I had a weird one when um, Pope Benedict stepped down. That I think it was maybe a Monday morning. And instantly, like, it hit the news and I tweeted within about five minutes, you know, he'll be now known as ex-Benedict. And at the time, it was retweeted so many times, it was ridiculous. And I was like, oh, I'm on fire. <laughs> and then, But when it came to Friday for the last leg, I did the same joke and people went, oh, I heard it. <laughs> like, and it was, it was widely credited that I was one of the first to actually tweet that. Purely fluke, purely yeah. because I happened to watch the news as it was breaking. But then within five days, my joke had become tired and stale. Yeah. yeah. Is, that a, is that a worry that the, the, the internet's sort of taking over and you can't save these things? To tell we kind of need it for our show. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah. We, we, yeah we, well, you do draw on it heavily, don't yeah, you? Yeah, and, yeah. And it does work. I, I think TV's been looking for a way to use the internet for ages. Yeah. And I just certainly don't think we set out to do it. I think the sheer fact that we were live, I don't know if there's any particular angle we've taken on it or thought we've had on how to use Twitter. I just think people are intelligent and you give them a platform they hope and if they are shit you just don't put it on yeah i loved it at the start during the paralympics when we were just yeah. getting like the real like just the proper like is it okay it's like questions about disability that you couldn't you were too kind of frightened to say mm. yeah it was so good and like we still get we get like great is it okay's every week and we always try and select the ones that are like not just stupid but kind of relevant that genuinely mm. ask a question that we can answer I think yeah. I think the secret for us is not just seeing Twitter as a punchline, seeing as a as another setup. So if someone sends us a joke on Twitter, we go, yeah, how can we turn that into the next thing, and how can we get more people yeah. tweeting? And then gradually it just becomes like one it big is gig. Amazing that you think when I was a kid, people would literally have to write into a TV show. <laughs> they, I can still remember that address that they told up on Live and Kicking because they'd have to repeat it so much. Yeah. And then the other thing you'd do is you'd phone up. You play a game by pressing the touch tone on your phone, and you go, <laughs> "It's amazing how far it's come." But I think the joke thing on Twitter is because it's 140 characters. Maybe it'll blow a joke, but maybe that makes it better that we're doing a larger piece on something, or you're offering an opinion which you can't really. Twitter is throwaway jokes. If your show is throwaway jokes, Twitter might compromise it. However, if you're doing a larger thing about 
the Ukraine, then you shouldn't be compromised by the fact someone's tweeted a pun. Yeah. For example, someone tweeted last week, after Crufts is finished, then maybe the three of us should be hosting Paracrufts. <laughs> Which <laughs> is a great joke, but then it gives us something that we could have gone on with, and we yeah. did yeah. discuss whether or not. For any commissioners out there, have a think about it. Eh? <laughs> Disability is really big at the moment, so, <laughs> so you're going around harming okay. dogs. Try and get a show. Okay. All right, guys, I've got uh, producer Matt hollering in my ear. We've got to wrap it up, so I'm afraid we're going to have to leave it there. Thank you to Adam, Josh, Alex, and Robin. It's been an absolute pleasure having you all on. Uh, all the best with the rest of the series, uh, which concludes at 10 p.m. Friday night on. Channel 4. That's all for this special. We'll be back next week when it'll be business as usual. Until then, I've been Jake Cantor. The producer was Matt Hill and thanks for listening. You've been listening to Broadcast Talking TV Recorded at Maple Street Studios. 